Hey, Mona. Hey. How you doing? I am, uh, you know, uh, uh, living the quarantine life uh, like uh, millions of uh, Americans uh, across this country. How about yourself? I, too, am just, you know, social distancing. I'm currently in the studio right now that we usually do the show out of, but I am by myself. I'm used to having you here, and I miss you. Oh, I miss you, too. I haven't seen you, what, in like ages, a month and a half? Ages? Ages? Like forever? Ages. Too long. Yeah. I think I, too long is since I've seen you. That's yeah. what it is. So, uh, yeah. We're now doing the show via social distancing. We're just going to be, you know, are, I'm guessing you're at home right now, Mona? I am home right now. Yes, I think if I was anywhere else, I probably uh, would get in a lot of trouble for it. But, yeah, no, I'm definitely not on the beach and definitely not in Orange County. So, uh, yeah, not on the beach, at home, uh, just uh, trying to keep my sanity. Uh, my dog, on the other hand, uh, is getting very suspicious of me and is beginning to put things together that something is up uh, because I'm home a little too much and I think I'm getting on her nerves. Yeah. By the way, welcome to Forbidden Talk. I'm Sam. That's Mona. Uh, yeah, we're in quarantine now. And this is the coronavirus edition of Forbidden Talk. Uh, <laughs> typically, we have guests on the show, but really, we don't want to have a viro like a virologist on the show with us. Uh, really, the stuff that we're trying to do to stay sane is more than entertaining enough right now. That is correct. Uh, that is correct. I just feel... Um, I don't know if that's happening for you, Sam, but uh, I know a lot of people who are currently in quarantine um, are just getting a whole new perspective on life and are actually just appreciating the little things and actually are appreciating the time they get to spend with their families. I know some people are going stir crazy with having their kids uh, at home and now schools are pretty postponed pretty indefinitely. Yeah. Uh, so kids, uh, you know, I mean, I know you have uh, two kids. Are, how are you holding up with the two kids? By a thread. <laughs> <laughs> By a thread. Holy shit. It's, um, it's brutal. I mean, seriously, no, actually, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy spending as much time as I am with the kids because it's every day is about coming up with the most creative way to keep them entertained. And it's usually really fun. So that's good. At the same time, it's really hard to have any kind of a, a stable routine when you don't know when there's like, you don't know what's going to happen with this stuff, you know? That's right. So, that's right. you know, we, you want to try to get them out and about and do stuff, but at the same time, you're supposed to stay at home. So for, for the 10-year-old the gets it. The 3-year-old is just going crazy because all he wants to do is go outside. Right. Of course he does. And uh, has he understood the concept of coronavirus? Have you tried to explain it to him? Yeah. He said something hilarious the other day. He said, coronavirus scares the crap out of me. <laughs> well, he's a smart kid because I think he's figured out that adults are feeling the same. I so don't know where he got kid. that from. That wasn't from uh -huh. me. If I think we know where he got that from, it, Sam. No, if, if, if it was, I'm not going to lie. If it was from me, he would be saying, that, that shit scares the shit out of me. No, he, <laughs> he, he's, he got that from somewhere else, and it wasn't me. I don't, I don't use the word crap. You don't use the word But listen, uh, aren't you happy that he uses, he's used more of the G-baited version yes. than the, uh, the Sam version? So, that, so that's, a, that's a positive. That's a win. Absolutely. Absolutely. And mind you, I don't use profanity around the kids. It's I just know what profanity I use. Crap is not one of them. And he's so, it, you know, we're doing what we can to stay uh, as sane as possible throughout these times. 
And yeah. uh, now here's a, a lot of things that are concerning with, you know, because, you know, we are targeting a lot of the Middle Eastern South Asian population. And, you know, back in the Middle East right now, this coronavirus thing is terrifying. Uh, you know, you got reports, reports of mass graves being, you know, dug. You got that going on here in the United States as well, but not to the extent and to just the heartbreaking extent that it is right now in places like Iran and all throughout the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, but in Iran, uh, like they were talking about, uh, that was like until March or so, that 8% of uh, the Iranian population had uh, COVID. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that number had increased. Didn't uh, and the, I don't know if you the know- The president that... catch it? And like, they were saying, they're saying, no, he doesn't have it. And he's saying they're like dying in front of everybody. That's right. I mean, it's a it's a huge problem. And I don't know if you know this, but the reason uh, that COVID became so kind of prevalent and took over the Iranian population in the way that it did is because Qom, which is a very religious uh, city, as yes. you already know, yes. uh, in Iran, uh, has a lot of Muslims that come from China. Uh, to come and study the Quran and Islam. Uh, and apparently uh, the folks that were coming in were infected with COVID and end up spreading it the way they did in Iran. So there's that. That's terrifying. At the same time, it's also one of those uh, moments that, you know, just knowing how the culture is, everybody yeah. hugs everybody. Everybody kisses everybody hello on the cheeks. It's yeah. going to be more contagious there than it is yep. going to be here where you're not going to have people kissing each other on the cheek to say hello. doesn't matter, you know, like people in America look at that custom like, hey, those are two guys kissing each other on the cheek. Weird. And it's, right. yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. And that's where it's like maybe, you know, social distancing needs, like that may be a tradition that may need to kind of be let go based off of the need to stay healthy. I mean, for now, I would think, yeah, that would yeah. be the case. I mean, look, there was a time where we were making fun of Michael Jackson for wearing a mask and calling him a freak. Well, I'm sure he's laughing from his grave. Well, I think he was hiding his face more than anything. I mean, his nose was falling off at that point. Right, but... it was. But listen, we were making fun of him. Uh, yeah. And we were like, oh, look at this freak wearing a fucking mask. Uh, and here we are, everybody. That's going to be a new normal, man. Everybody has to walk around fucking looking like uh the muslim burqa lady like that's what's gonna happen yeah i'm I, I go to the store now and like i'm looking around at all the people wearing masks and wondering which one is a ninja which one is it i mean everybody's a ninja we're a ninja country at yeah, this point exactly and we're yeah yeah it, we're in a weird unique time in our history really and it, it, a lot of times you know because i'm a licensed marriage and family therapist i work with a lot of people specialize in trauma and this kind of stuff is really triggering for a lot of people there's going to be a global in like everybody is going to have ptsd because of this kind of thing and yep. it's important to acknowledge just how unique this situation is where the government's basically telling us to stay home and not do anything for like the first time in a century yeah, these are yeah. Un these are unique days that are you can never get back. Really, like if there was ever a time to get out and go and do something for yourself to make yourself feel good, whether it's, you know, within, you know, safely in your own, you know, confines 
exercising, doing yoga, for focusing and prioritizing your relaxation more. If you can do that, these days are irreplaceable. Yeah. Do those little things. Make it so that when you get out of once the dust settles and we're on the other side of this whole thing, we're coming out of it stronger and better, not just like 20 pounds heavier and wondering where all that time went. Yep, absolutely. Um, I feel like, um, you know, let's talk about the negatives of what's happening. I mean, besides the fact that, you know, businesses are, uh, you know, small businesses are suffering. I mean, people who are in the hospitality business are suffering. People who are, uh, you know, artists uh, who tour like myself. I'm a stand-up comic and uh, all my shows have been canceled, Yeah. Uh, you know, which is uh, how I generate my income. So uh, that income has disappeared uh, for now. So I have to resort to other things. Uh, uh, and I don't refer by... Uh, are you doing cam girling uh, stuff now? Uh, I, I, I wish, you know, the thing is that nobody wants to really see me naked considering how much weight I've gained oh, in this quarantine. Oh, come on. You would, it's, I, uh, there, uh, you have an audience yeah. for that. You have an audience. Trust me. There are Listen, guys out there that would be all over it. They'll be tipping you like nickels over nickels. Yeah. But you didn't hear the second part, which is the hair that comes being a, with being a hairy South Asian brown woman. Uh, and there, my, my, my waxing lady is not available. Uh, so, uh, it's, it's like a fucking Chewbacca situation over here. It just, uh, just imagine if Chewbacca was an overweight, uh, South Asian woman. Uh, and that's what I'm looking at right now. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not really cute, but, um, you know, uh, you and I were talking about before, uh, we delved into <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Chewbacca's a South Asian woman. I'm dead. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, Chewbacca over here. Uh, but uh, and uh, the, the only thing is wax is not even going to help or laser. It's going to be a weed whacker that I just have to lay down on the ground and my waxing lady has to run a weed whacker uh, on my body to Ooh. get rid of all this crazy body hair. Um, but you and I were talking about um, just the, the neck, the, just one of the really worst things uh, out of this is the uh, victims of domestic violence. Yes. Um, um, I, uh, I mean, there's just uh, the, the, the cases have spiked. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've just uh, read this article that just recently came out. I posted it on my personal Facebook page. Uh, having somebody who has grown up with so much domestic violence uh, in her childhood and in her own home. Uh, and that piece really touched a nerve for me because they were talking about how 14 different women uh, who were kind and just brave enough to show their faces uh, with their black eyes and their bloody noses and uh, how their domestic, uh, you know, the, the victims of domestic violence and how their partners bloodied them up. Uh, they were talking about 14 uh, women and children have been murdered by the, uh, you know, by the significant other. Uh, and that's a, uh, that's a, that's a real uh, issue. Now, do you, do you, have you, I mean, you're a family and marriage therapist. Is that something that you come across? in your line of work yeah yeah frequently uh, and usually we don't come across it until after it's happened and uh, right. that's the unfortunate thing if we can work with people you know as it's happening or they reach out immediately after then we can ideally help out in a way that's going to lead to them recovering as quickly and as successfully as possible at the mm -hmm. same time most of them are going to be stuck in the middle of it and they can't see the forest from the tree that they're stuck behind and right. It's really difficult, especially now for those cases. There's no, there's very, really practically no escape. Like, that's the problem right. is that a lot of the places and a lot of the services that are, should be open and available, they're closed. And that's, 
the unfortunate part. So it, part of it is helping people come up with the escape plan. And I've had to do that uh, based off of what's available in, pe in the area that people live in due to all of the COVID stuff and what's closed and what's open. And I, you know, now I've had, uh, personally, I have to change, I've changed my entire practice to video chat so I can help as many people as possible without having to expose them or potentially be exposed to anything. Right. Right. I mean, like, do you, let, let's talk about like this whole psychology of domestic violence, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming uh, that majority of the victims are women and the, uh, you know, culprits are men. Is that uh, the case? The majority of the reports. Yeah. But there's going to be cases where guys are going to be very much reluctant to report abuse, physical, emotional, any kind of abuse because yeah. of the stigma that goes along with being a man who's been abused. So right. there's that aspect. Now, equally, there's a stigma that goes along for women that prevents them a lot of times from speaking out about abuse. But there are more cases of and more instances of abuse from men to women and more cases reported of abuse from men to women. Right. Because it's also a lot more prevalent uh, maybe than the other way around. I mean, yeah. uh, I, 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 I would say that's a fair thing to say, but it. Definitely, there's an there's an aspect of it that goes the other way, and I, I just saying uh, just saying from what I've per personally worked with and experienced with some clients. Listen, uh, the the black men that are in the Kardashian and the Jenner claw, uh, they are all uh, victims of domestic violence to me. Um, Kanye is probably trying to blink twice just to escape uh, Kim Kardashian and that uh, crazy uh, devil woman named Chris um, Jenner. Uh, but um, I, I feel I feel bad for those guys. But um, besides that, I just feel like um, I just feel like like th these these domestic violence cases. I mean, the fact that. You live with an abuser. Uh, okay, I mean, in a country like America, that there there are resources and there are places where women can go and seek shelter and the children can go seek shelter. At least you hope that they would be able to. Um, my my family, my mom did not have that uh, luxury or you know that privilege uh, in Pakistan. I mean, we're talking about the 80s where uh, the police. You call the police and the police straight out in Pakistan would just tell you uh, we don't get involved in um, domestic. We don't get involved in husband and violent uh, husband and wife issues. That's what they called it. Husband and wife issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a real big problem. And my mom had no choice. My mom only had two choices, either to shut up and put up with it or be left uh, basically homeless with five children and and five mouths to feed. So my mom shut up and put up with it. And, um, you know, of, of course, and as the history of violence goes, uh, my, you know, my father eventually turned his domestic uh, violence and his anger towards me, and, and then he would beat the shit out of me until I was, like, 15 years old until I moved to the U.S. So that's just that's just kind of the chain of it. But I know that my father also grew up with a lot of abuse, so he was just perpetuating the cycle that he grew up in, and he just dealt with things the way he only knew how. I'm yeah. not excusing these people's no, bad behavior. No, it's it's a not reason, not an excuse. Thing. It's a it's definitely yes. a reason. That's correct. That yeah. that is correct. Um, I I feel like um, you know, in the Middle East and South Asia, we have really long ways to go when it comes to protecting women and uh, vulnerable children, uh, you know, when it comes to situations like this. But what do you think, Sam? Like what, I mean, 
are we talking about uh, mental health for men and women? Uh, are we talking about stricter laws? Uh, are we talking about a combination of, the, of these things? What is going to eventually help decrease these cases, help decrease or hopefully just eliminate all this kind of domestic violence? Uh, what, what do you think it would take? What would be the solution uh, for the Middle East and South Asian culture here and abroad? Destigmatization of mental health services and increased access to mental health services. Mm-hmm. What about Done. laws? What right about there. Stricter, what about stricter laws? I mean, look, uh, the, 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 the destigmatization of um, mental health, of not just looking at people as, quote unquote, crazy if you go to therapy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, you're crazy if you go to therapy. You're either crazy or normal. Right. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. Life is just black and white. And, you know, damn well. And I know damn well that their life is not such it's it's that's not the case. Um, yeah. But even if you destigmatize it, how do you destigmatize it? Like who who initiates that? Who, who who is it? Is it the is it the leaders of these countries? Like who is destigmatizing this? The youth, the kid, younger generation. Because uh, see, let, let's put it this way: the idea of going to therapy means you're crazy is one that was pretty prevalent amongst people from our generation and the older ones. Younger generations are actually viewing th therapy as something that is part of maintaining good health. Not just like, oh, we're going here because the wheels have fallen off and we have to repair our mental car. The, it's, mm. this is, it's being looked at now as being normalized, as being part just of, you know, like a, a, a normal everyday nutritious breakfast, normal everyday good health. So the younger generations are going to be the ones that lead the move towards destigmatization but it really has to start with people like us talking right. talking about whatever happened and the reasons why we go to therapy and then also saying you know what it's not even a matter of whatever went wrong just going to therapy to talk through everyday stuff so that you're not the only person offering yourself any insight as far as how you need to handle certain things every day that's the kind of thing that therapy can, is going to be helpful for for anybody. So uh, every therapist will agree, and we all say it, and it's not because we want to get paid. It's because it's just true. Everybody needs to go to therapy. Everybody. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, what if you grew up in a nice family? Do you still need to go to therapy? Yeah. I grew up in a wonderful family. I need to go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you, you, so you're saying... Therapy doesn't only apply to people who grew up with pain or trauma or in broken homes. It applies. You can come from a nice family and still want to go to therapy. Yes, absolutely. You, everybody needs to have a neutral, non-biased person who can offer an honest reflection of themselves. Right. I mean, or an honest reflection of that person. Like, that's... That's the important thing is that people uh, we destigmatize it by normalizing it, saying, you know what, it actually makes sense to go and talk to somebody every once in a while, even if there's nothing really wrong. It's good to have somebody there who's a professional to be able to say, yeah, so far you're looking pretty good. Keep it right. up. You know, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. There's nothing right. there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. The problem is that the idea of mental health 
uh, and you know, people who reach out for mental health services as being something negative is because a Hollywood decides to like to portray everybody that goes into a psychologist office as being batshit crazy. Right. When really it's not that way. Most of the cases that I deal with fucking boring as shit. It's not like I'm, you know, it's not like I'm clock watching and sitting there saying, oh, hurry the fuck up. No, I mean, I understand I need to be 100 percent attentive. That's my job is to be 100 percent attentive. That doesn't mean that a good chunk of my cases are, are ones where I'm like, yeah, no, this is boring and I'm happy about that. Right. You know, right. Because there's a good number of cases that I have where it's endless pain. And it's right. okay. and both the endless pain and the. Not the, you know, the boring cases that don't seem to have anything wrong Mm. are necessary. They're both necessary. Somebody may require it a little bit more, but that doesn't mean that the other person doesn't require it. Right. So we, we destigmatizing it or destigmatize it by making it so that it's accessible to everybody. Like, really, when we think about psychologists, we think of, oh, you're paying 150 bucks, 200 bucks an hour to sit down with somebody to hear all of your problems, you know? And when we think about it in those terms, it becomes something that's only available to elites, people who can afford that shit. Right, right. If we, we destigmatize it by making it so that it's available to everybody, so right. that everybody has access to it. That way, right. people who don't need it are going to be, you know what, I'm, I, I still have it, so I might as well use it. Right. right. That's, that's what we want, ideally, is to get to the point where people are like, yeah, I mean, I, it's not like I need it, but I have it, so I might as well use it. That's the level of destigmatization we need to get to. Right, right. Right. And and I 100% agree with you. I I mean, when I just saw uh, the Scottish Sun, by the way, is the one who ran that article uh, about the domestic violence victims. Uh, And um, I I mean, I I, I saw these women and I swear to God, I saw myself in every single one of them. I saw myself. Um, So when I uh, watch these women and I I I look at that, I'm just like, wow, how many more deaths have to occur? Uh, before something serious needs to be uh, needs to start happening. I mean, okay, so w- what even happens to these fucking guys, right? Like, what happens to the the partners? Well, the ones who've killed their, you know, they're they're you know gonna go to murder trial. So that's 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 done. But what about the ones who uh, consistently beat uh, and abuse their significant others and the children? Like, what do they just go rot in jail for six months, a year, and then they're back back to their fucking bullshit? Like. Uh, how how does that solve the cycle? Like, how does that solve the problem? Like, what the fuck? Like, what does it have to take um, for laws and uh, and this destigmatization to happen? I mean, what 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 is it gonna take, Sam? Well, the punishment obviously isn't dissuading people from committing the crime. So treatment is the other option. Give people right. more access to help. Really. Uh, that it's the we can make laws, but a lot of the laws that are being made that are already existing because, you know, beating your wife is breaking a law. That's right. Beating your child is breaking a, a law. Mm-hmm. That's not stopping it. The yeah. thing that has to change is the level of access to health care that people can get. 
mental health is the biggest part of that. Because if you have somebody who's a, you know, just building up tension and steam and anger, especially now with this coronavirus stuff, we're stuck in the house. There is no escape. We can't go off. You know, a lot of the people I work with are veterans. The way they like to blow off steam is going to the shooting range, shoot off a couple rounds. It's something that, you know, gives them a sense of peace and more control. Totally understandable, and it's very uh, therapeutic for them. Gun ranges are closed. That means that they have to come up with more creative ways to relax and blow off steam. Otherwise, they're going to be more likely to blow up. And if somebody's around them, living with them, then somebody might be in the path of their blow up. And that's dangerous. And that's where we have to like work on, within the setting that we have, prioritizing our relaxation not letting ourselves get to the point where we are about to get physical. Because if we notice that we're getting to that point, pay attention to where your breathing is at. I guarantee you, you're not breathing at that point. That means you need to step away and take some breaths. Give yourself a minute. Give yourself a second. Really give yourself a moment to think and take a breath. Because if you're going to react to whatever's happening based off of not breathing and anger, then chances are you're going to make a bad choice. So right. give yourself right. a second, take a breath. And right. really, and a lot of times that's the, that's the big fear right now is that we're not going to be hearing about the stuff happening. Now we're going to be hearing about it three, four months from now, a year from now, two years from now, when the person who's getting their ass kicked finally has it in them to speak up. Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it just, um, it, it, it just kills me when I see stuff like this. It's, um, it really haunts me and it's, uh, yeah, it just really freaking breaks my heart when I see stuff like that. Um, I mean, now we have this whole situation with, um, you know, people who are in the hospitality, uh, industry, bartenders, servers, cooks, uh, sh even chefs, uh, you know, either having their jobs furloughed or not having a job at all and uh, being sent a $1,200 check by the orange man himself. Uh, and people can't seem to uh, get their uh, unemployment uh, in time. I mean, people have been just waiting. Uh, I've been waiting for my unemployment check. I, I can't seem to get it. I mean, these are like, these are like huge fucking problems. These, um, it's stressful times. And they're, you know, it's obvious that when a lot of this stuff we're talking about, the abuse that's been going on, especially during this COVID era, if, you know, we don't, if, you know, if we are going through financial crisis right now, then we are going to be carrying a lot of that stress everywhere we go. So right. it's important, like I said earlier, to prioritize relaxation, take a minute or take three or four times a day to take a minute to just breathe let whatever problems sit on the outside of that minute and just give yourself that minute. Be selfish and just give yourself a minute. Take some deep breaths, relax, prioritize your relaxation. If you have time and you're not going anywhere, put on a, a YouTube video with some yoga on it. Do some yoga, burn off some energy that way. Get something to get to prioritize relaxation because if we don't do that, then little stressors start stacking up on top of each other. And if we don't have any way to escape and blow off steam, then all we're going to do is blow up around and it's going to take out the people around us. And that's going to be that we can avoid doing that by just 
allowing ourselves to relax, taking a minute three or four times a day to take some breathing exercises. If you have more time than that, do some stretching, some yoga, meditation if you have the time for it. Prioritize relaxation during these times. It's vital. If we want to make it through and make it so that we don't end up in more trouble and more emotional and physical pain after all of this stuff, prioritize yep. you. Be healthy. With, be selfish in a healthy way. I just want to point something out. Uh, the uh, and, th and this is uh, maybe this might piss some people off, but the amount of white privilege that is being fucking tossed around about uh, some of the folks uh, like Tommy Lauren, who's a fucking right wing nut job, uh, talking about comparing the lockdown to slavery, uh, <laughs> saying that this is equivalent to slavery. It's like, bitch, have you been on a fucking cotton field? Have your children ever been taken away? Have you been ever held against your own will? Then shut the fuck up. You know nothing about fucking slavery. Like, seriously, shut the fuck up. Yeah, she's catering to a specific audience when she says that. And, it, and she's saying that specifically to gaslight everybody else who can actually hold that shit in context and keep it in perspective that's yeah that's some dumb shit white people taking out signs lockdown equals slavery it's like oh my god you fucking flatter yourself like seriously check yourself what an insult what an insult yeah. to uh, people who were slaves in this country and whose backs this country was built off of. What a slap in the face of those brave souls uh, who had been killed and sacrificed in the name of slavery uh, and these motherfuckers who want to fucking go to Cheesecake Factory and uh, want to get another slutty lower back fucking tattoo uh, <laughs> or want to get that shitty fucking haircut and fucking peroxide their goddamn fucking hair um, you know, or get that fucking patch of hair removed from their backs uh, are not able to do that and now they're fucking comparing this shit to slavery seriously get the fuck out of my face seriously hashtag first world problems yeah no no hashtag get the fuck out of my face is yeah. what the hashtag <laughs> is for me seriously yeah uh it's uh it's really disgusting when i see shit like that i'm just like did you do you even know anything about slavery have you fucking watched 12 years a slave when i watched that movie sam I li literally, I swear to God, no movie has ever taken me this long to watch. It took me almost a week to finish that movie. I couldn't watch it. I was tortured by it. I was having fucking nightmares watching that movie of knowing the fact that there were people who actually went to this level of pain uh, and that there was so much uh, inhumanity that was done against them. I, it fucking tortured my soul, man. I couldn't watch it. I, it took me a week just to get through it. It was too much. It was too much. Yeah. And, I, and when I listen to these assholes, I'm like, I'm like, listen, Karen, first of all, sh shut the fuck up and sit down. Uh, and I know a lot of white women right now are really pissed off because they don't want to be fucking called Karens, but, you know, fuck you, Karen. They're, they're saying that that's the equivalent to the N-word. It's like, get uh, off your horse. That, there you go. There you go. The false equivalency. Yeah. Oh, the quarantine is equal to fucking slavery, and uh, and the Karen is equal to the N-word. Seriously, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah, uh, and they and they like to mention that you know, like one side likes to you know play the victim role, and they and uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The other side is the one that's really good at being the victim, and yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Yeah. this is where yeah. Uh, and yeah, we can get into that discussion all day. 
But yeah. really, uh, I feel like we sp we spent this episode really getting into a lot of pain and anger. And yes. next episode, I think me and you are going to get into some pleasure. How's that sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sounds that sounds really good. Although I do want to get into the fact of how single people or people who are not in relationships holding up and how much the thirst is building up because uh, they can't go out and get laid. Yeah. Uh, so that's I don't exactly know how what that's, that's exactly what we will discuss in the next episode because okay. there's so much. Uh, what was it? I think the term clinical term is DSB. Deadly sperm backup in men. Wow, DSB. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Okay, good. No, to know. it's a, it's. I'm just kidding. It's a, it's a term for a lot of guys that have when you are forced in a situation that does not allow you access to the people that you want to be around, so that you can have some kind of sexual contact. It makes it so that yeah, that's kind of the term. And it's you're right. The thirst is building up on both sides of the fence. And next episode, we're going to talk about how people are quenching that thirst. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I am, I'm all for exploring that. Excellent. And we will do that next time. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, this is the coronavirus edition, socially distant, forbidden talk episode. We want to thank all of you for joining us. Mona, where can they find us? They can find us at Forbidden uh, Talk Show on Instagram. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to build the gram following over here, so they can follow us at uh, actually Forbidden Talk. Uh, they can find us on ForbiddenTalkShow.com. Uh, you, uh, our episodes are listed there. Our socials are listed there. Uh, Sam and I's uh, very pretty faces are up there. Um, yeah, that's where they can find us. And we are also on. Um, uh, we're also on uh, what what's uh, all the streaming services. We're on Spotify, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, under Forbidden Talk Show. Yeah, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Player FM, everybody, everybody, we're everywhere. So yeah, just Google search Forbidden Talk with Mona and Sam. You'll find us. If you want, drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter. We are very happy to engage with you and reply. Uh, yeah, Mona, anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Uh, that's it, Sam. This was a this was a really good, passionate jam session. Yeah, it sounded like you know almost a therapy session for you. You unloaded. It was good. It was I very good. Yeah, I'm always unloading, man. That's yeah. Just me. All right. Well, we will catch you all next week. Peace. Peace.